Welcome to Fireside Chat. Uh, you know I have a, a new co-host tonight because Dave just wasn't cute enough. <laughs> Glinky, I love you, but you're not as cute as my wife Tammy. So this is uh, my lovely wife Tammy, and maybe you saw her Fireside Chat on, I believe it was September 27th. Just uh, Google Godspeak Tammy Brown and it'll come up and just a her own testimony, her own powerful story. And so thanks for being with me, love. Well, it's so much fun to hang out with you. I feel like I'm on a date with you again. Cool. <laughs> so <laughs> we... I mean, our whole life's just about dating. So. <laughs> <laughs> we love Jesus and love each other. That's the way it works. And uh, we want you to know about, uh, we have a wonderful guest, um, Landon Starbuck, that you guys are just going to be blessed by. I know Tammy and I are blessed by Landon's life and story. And so you want to stick around for her story, uh, recording artist, and really uh, her and her husband, Robbie Starbuck, incredible influencers right now for some great causes. And we're going to be talking about that. And before we get that, talk about influence, we want to invite you to this incredible uh, non-essential live. Why, why Christianity? Why the church? Why God's people? Why these things are essential? Check out this lineup tomorrow at 10 a.m. in Chino Hills at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs is hosting Kirk Cameron, David Harris Jr., Charlie Kirk, Sissy Franklin Lynch, Dr. Dan Erickson, Dinesh D'Souza, Rob, your own Pastor Rob McCoy is going to be there. And we're just excited about what's going to happen. There are people that are meeting here at 7.30 a.m. at Godspeak. If you want to carpool with someone, maybe you're an individual and you just want to jump in with someone or you have a, a empty seats and you want to invite someone, you can stop by here first. It's going to uh, be starting filming tomorrow at 10 a.m. And we want to fill up their 2,500 seat auditorium for the filming. All of those speakers are going to be speaking uh, powerfully for seven minutes. They're going to put it together in a two-hour power pack package. And they're going to be releasing that on Sunday, the 18th. And that's 5 p.m., Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. On top of that, Saturday night, uh, myself, Pastor Rob McCoy, Charlie Kirk, we'll be going to Calvary Chapel of San Jose, where they're in the, the fight of their lives. They now have some uh, $220,000 in fines from uh, Sarah, uh, uh, Santa Clara County. And um, they're getting fined $5,000 a day per week, uh, $10,000 on Sunday. So if you have, they're, they're being fined 40000 a week. Uh, area church that actually opened up before them, uh, a Baptist fellowship, they uh, basically surrendered uh, and they just... Um, they said they can't take it, they can't, the, the fines, the, the legal battle, they just weren't ready to face it. So Pastor Mike McClure has opened up his church and um, they're just, the Lord's doing amazing things. They had a baptism a little while ago on a Sunday morning and baptized 41, 44 people on a Sunday morning, people coming to Christ. Wonderful revival in the midst of being shut down. 
but there's a price. So be praying for them. And uh, we also here at God Speaker are in our own uh, legal conflict with the court system. And then here at God Speak on Sunday morning, Pastor Ken Graves is going to be sharing. And he's from Bangor, Maine at the other end of the country. And he's actually a couple of court hearings ahead of us in uh, his fight for his fellowship to be open. And, uh, and we just all believe that the things of the Lord, the freedoms in our nation as citizens, that uh, we're essential. Faith, hope, and love is always essential for the human heart. Well, that's uh, taking care of all the announcements that are coming up, and we just pray that you'll uh, be seeking the Lord about those things, get involved as you can. And now we want to uh, get to our guests that I know Tammy and I are are both excited about, uh, Landon Starbuck. Landon, welcome. It's good to have you with us. Thank you. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Rick. Thank you so much for having me. It really is an honor to be on your program. Uh, we're so blessed to have you, Landon. Um, I've just enjoyed your music so much. And one of the things if um, you guys have the opportunity to go out there and, and Google Landon Starbuck and review and listen to her song, Hope. It is uh, breathtaking, and she has the most amazing message that she's written, and it's just so powerful, Landon. So thank you for being a voice. Thank you for being a leading voice in this day and age. We need you. We need your husband, and we're just so thankful that you're with us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you. We uh, also, they may, may want to Google Matriarch, so tell us about this name. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, some people know me by Landon Newsom or Landon Starbuck is my husband's Robbie Starbuck. And yes, that's a real name. No, another story. Funny story. You know, Rick, you heard a little bit about that. Um, but yeah, Matriarch was a name that um, somebody actually gave me. And um, it was after a show. Um, and it was at this point, I, I was at a very low point um, emotionally. It was a high point in my career, but a low point emotionally. And I was thinking about just stopping music because I really felt like my message was getting cheapened. I was feeling pressure from the label and management to just dilute everything that I stood for, everything that I wanted to emote artistically. And I was just thinking about throwing it all away and doing something else with my life. And somebody put a piece of paper in my gear bag and I later opened it and it said, um, you are a soldier dressed in women's clothing, you are a matriarch. And I, I didn't know who wrote it, and I, I, it really didn't resonate with me, but I just couldn't stop thinking about this message. And I said, who put this message here? And um, shortly after, I, I started thinking about, you know, my own relationship with my mother and how um, a lot of, I, I believe, like our society's problems are a lack of, um, this connection, this motherhood and fatherhood connection with our parents, right? Or even our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I know that a lot of people aren't, some don't have moms. Um, and the idea of a matriarch is being a mother or being a, a voice of protection and uh, a leader as a female, a strong leader, where there might not be a, a space of other, you know, uh, avenues of protection. So, that's something that I wanted to grow into. And I don't know if I'll ever live up to that name, uh, but it's something that I I just want to be a a mother-like figure um, to stand up for those who are voiceless who might not have that. What a blessing. Yeah. So uh, that touches on really how I wanted to uh, take things in the beginning here, Landon, because you touched on being a... um, 
you were in the industry as a child, not really, you didn't really want to be, but you were. And so tell us a little bit about that journey and um, what that was like. And not, you know, as a child in the industry, did you, did you feel the protection you needed or was it really topsy-turvy? Yeah, you know, I, I grew up, my mom was a very successful model, beautiful woman. Um, and I think that she thought she was doing good by putting me into that realm. Um, and, you know, I don't really know what the full motivations were. Maybe it was just to be able to save money for college, or maybe it was because uh, she could bring me with her. I, I really don't know. Um, but it wasn't something I wanted to do. Um, and I remember vehemently, uh, you know, kicking and screaming in the back of the car sometimes being taken to these modeling gigs that I didn't want to be at. Um, and it forced me to, to enter this position or become desensitized rather to this power dynamic that happens when a, when a man or you know, it's mostly men behind a camera telling you what to do as a young girl and you have to do it. Um, and I was never asked to do anything inappropriate necessarily as a child, although many others were. Um, but I, 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 that power dynamic really put a foundation in me, uh, unconsciously that you do as you're told, you know, mm -hmm. in this industry, you do as you're told and you don't question it and you get your check and you walk away and you do the next job. So it, it really had a, a, a bearing on my entire childhood and mindset going into adulthood. Wow. So, uh, fast forward, you, when did you really take off? she was putting you in the, in the modeling role. When did you mm -hmm. take off? What inspired you uh, to mm -hmm. launch your music career? Was it your own voice? Was it somebody in your life? How, how'd that inspiration happen? Well, I first and foremost was a writer. I, I okay. started writing about my feelings about mm -hmm. um, the broken home that I came from. It was a great therapeutic outlet. Yeah. Uh, so, and it was a gift that, that, mm -hmm. that God gave me abil ability to express myself. Um, and so I was writing poetry and I actually uh, lied about my age and submitted myself at, I think I was 13 to this American Poetry Federation or something like that. And I got accepted and published uh, wow. as a poet. Um, at 13. So, that, I mean, that's kind of funny that, you know, I, I lied about my age essentially, but um, it, it was important for me, you know, it, to be able to know that, oh, wow, you know, that there's something here. I can keep doing this. Um, I don't have to model. Mm -hmm. And um, and it didn't quite work out. I'm only 5'3", so that was, that didn't really work in the realm of modeling anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's, that's basically, you know, I started writing. And so, I was writing my music and I love, you know, I love singing. And at this time I was doing a lot of theater. Um, so I just started singing my own songs and the, all of them were pretty bad. The first songs I wrote and I just got better and I just kept doing it until somebody said, wow, you should go perform this. And I was performing at malls on top of hay at fairs, things like that. Um, and it just kind of grew from there when, when I got that validation that, okay, you know, your voice there's something here. Keep doing it. Yeah. So when you turn, you had poetry, so you had lyrics. Uh, some people are strong lyrically and weak musically. So how did you develop, develop your music chops? Did you turn to the piano or the guitar first? Um, I turned to the guitar and quit. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't care for the guitar, um, but I, I, you know, the piano is my instrument. That's okay. where I write most of my uh, songs on. Mm -hmm. So I fell in love with, with the piano pretty quickly um, and was writing, you know, 
gosh, six years and then um, got my first uh, recording. And then um, Kiss FM put me on the radio and I was able to perform at a um, local Kiss FM event in Dallas with uh, the late Kid Craddock. So that was really special uh, to be acknowledged by my hometown of Dallas, Texas. Yeah. And how old were you then? Um, I was almost 18. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so as you... Uh, got into the movie industry and we t- or uh, into the music industry. We touched on this in a, a previous interview with you and Robbie. So, uh, about you, uh, started experiencing real success. You have a billboard charting song and then, uh, somewhere in between uh, a music video, I guess you and Robbie met and, uh, and you, you ended up pregnant and, and you see sense that that was really gonna, from the industry's perspective, derail your career. Yes. So um, my husband and I met, he was directing one of my music videos and we actually didn't hit it off right away. Um, he had this insane ego and I was this, you know, strong female and, you know, we kind of bumped heads. So it's, it's a little bit of a funny story because it was not love at first sight. It was actually like a <laughs> clashing of, of minds, but there was something there um, and it was a total God thing. It was a total... Um, I knew that this was my person, even though I didn't like him when I met him. Um, really? And, <laughs> so how'd you patch uh, but, that up, you two? You get the video behind you, and what happened? What was that next step to bridge that gap? I mean, it was really, it, it was a weird dissonant feeling because I, I felt very strongly, this is the, somebody that I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with. But the ego was saying, no, you have a career. You have a billboard hit. Like, this guy's rude. Don't, you know, what? he's got an ego. He doesn't respect you. He's not being nice to you. What, what is wrong with you, Landon? Like, and it, it, I was just really toiling with that. And I ended up coming to him and just, you know, looking at him like, like he was an alien. Being like, what, who are you? And he looked at me and, um, and he, he just, he knew. And he looked at me and it, it was just a very weird exchange. And I said, are, are we supposed to be together? And he said, yes. Wow. <laughs> you just like, like that, that direct, yeah. like, yeah, there's no subtle. It, let's meet at Starbucks for coffee. It's like, are we supposed to no. spend our life together as yeah. soulmates? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and I said, are you, are you the father of my children? And he said, yes. <laughs> and I started crying. Um, and I know this sounds really crazy because it sounds yeah. like, you know, when you're young, you have emotions and, yeah. All of that. But when, when you feel something deep inside, it wasn't, it wasn't a sexual drive happening. It wasn't lust. It wasn't any of those things. It was a deep inner knowing that, um, this is, this is a gift and you have a choice. You can walk away and say, no, I'm not ready. I don't want this. Or you can embrace it. Yeah. And I did try to push him away for quite some time. So, you know, he, he was very patient and steadfast in his love and commitment to me, even though I was, I was a bit of a pill for a while to, to accept this gift, you know, coming from where my upbringing, it was very hard to accept love. Um, and I really didn't recognize it when it was right in front of me. So it took me some time, but thank God I made the right decision. Yeah. And then how many years have you been married? Um, about 13 and a half years. That's great. So, uh, tell us about the tension over, uh, pressure in the industry. You're pregnant and and where your heart went. And that's how I want to turn the corner is this, this conflict between industry and motherhood really. And, uh, uh, where that took you. And then, Mm -hmm. um, just the, the journey, which is, 
Sure. I mean, having kids is such a foreign thing. You get no manual if you don't if you don't have a good model growing up, because most people mm-hmm. just repeat how they were raised, right? I mean, you, you don't know what to right. do. And so, tell us a little bit about that. Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's worth noting that being in the industry, there's this there was this message of strong feminism and empowerment, um, being just I mean, indoctrinated into every woman in the industry. And um, I was surrounded with lots of very powerful people uh, that were echoing this message. And, and I, I want to say that it really starts with family and marriage. It's a very anti-family message because it wasn't even before I, I became unexpectedly pregnant with my husband. They were not very supportive of marriage. Um, you know, there, it's kind of a, a look down thing, like it's a patriarchal, you know, subserviency to this patriarchal figure. You know, it, it's looked down upon like, oh, you sold out, you got married. Now you're just going to pop out some kids, right? And put on an apron. Um, so it's, it's not always, you know, um, so overt, but, but you can start, t- you know, I, I was able to start tell, um, to tell people were peeling away, you know, just at the, the arc of, of my personal life decisions. Um, you know, I wasn't interested in doing late night shows. I wanted to be with my partner, um, things like that. So, you know, that started to have an effect, but I, I was unexpectedly pregnant. And I want to go back a little bit because um, at 16, I was a, a cancer survivor. I had ovarian cancer. I was told that when I did want or try to have children, that it would be virtually impossible without um, medical intervention. Um, and so I was not thinking that was even a possibility. So to find myself pregnant at the peak of my career, touring the country on the billboard charts, um, it, it was very surprising. And I was, I was shocked and so excited. Um, and I remember going and telling my manager, label agents, bandmates, um, and, you know, some kind of fiend support, like, great. And then some were like, so when are you going to take care of this? And I really wasn't expecting that. Um, and the more I talk to people, uh, you know, th- th- there's conversations. So what are you going to do? Are you going to keep touring them? Well, yeah, I could keep touring as long as I can. Um, and you know, there was disappointment. They didn't, you didn't outright say you have to have an abortion or we're done. They just were done because I didn't have the abortion. Um, so it was never in my mind, not even once to have an abortion because I realized this was, could be my one opportunity to have a child and, and, children are miracles and I could never bring myself to, um, end the life of, of a miracle of a child of God. So I, I, I knew that I could never do something like that. It was never in my mind, but I was saddened that I was essentially being blackmailed out of everything I'd worked so hard for, mm-hmm. you know, every, everything I had, um, blood, sweat and tears, you know, late night sessions, touring the country in a crappy, you know, van, like sleeping on, you know, the van seats, like all of that. I really had to rough it and work my way to this point in my career. And it's all being taken from me because I want to have a, a child. And it, it, it was just unbelievable to me. It was a really um, eye-opening experience that made me realize that everything around me was really just an illusion. Mm-hmm. And everybody around me was just, you know, more or less benefiting off of some kind of service I was able to provide. And the second I was not able to be a value and a commodity, I was not a value to them. So the relationships weren't real relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that really was a, a very eye-opening experience and kind of, I would say, ignited that path of examining who I was and, and who, what kind of person I wanted to be and how I wanted to change this system. And it, it wasn't fair. It wasn't right. 
Um, and I started examining my values. And, and sometimes people say, well, were you always conservative? And in my opinion, being a conservative woman or a woman of faith, you know, is really about a deeper um, innate knowing than it is like a political orientation. It's, it's a, a value system. And it was always there. It was just that I had so many layers, like an onion on top of me, that I couldn't see myself or feel myself. I was feeling all of these fake layers. You have to do this for success. You have to be this. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it was all just fake garbage. And when I took that off, I started to discover what was there all along. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now I'm able to, to speak you know, from a place of really feeling empowered by those values. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was, it was quite a journey and parenting, you know, that, wow, that, that there's nothing that will, um, highlight all of your past wounds and everything and reflect that back to you. The looking in the face of a beautiful human, innocent human being that's looking to you to guide you through life. Um, that was pretty, uh, powerful experience for me to, to really dive deep in and address all of those past wounds. Mm -hmm. That's a really weighty sense of responsibility, isn't it? The day that you brought, well, it was Scarlett, your firstborn, right? And you looked, in, right. looked in her face and brought her home and, and their whole future, I mean, is in your hands until mm -hmm. they're able to stand on their own in life and move forward. And for me, I came from just like tremendous brokenness. And so I always had this innate, deep dream, even though on the outside, I was this, uh, crazy out of control guy, but I only had one dream in my life, which was really strange for someone like me. I only had one dream and that was just to have a family that had meaning and purpose. That was it. it, was, it I would never, I would, I never spoke it out loud to anybody in my life until I finally got married and I came to know, we, I came to know the Lord and, and shared it with my wife. I had no dreams. It, there was no success. To me, that was success because I, I didn't know what it meant for things to be held together in a, in a family dynamic without just turbulent, constant change and survival. And uh, so it made me really long for that. And do you feel like any of the impetus that you had to uh, first the hurdle to get over even being able to get pregnant, but then once you were able to, uh, you, you wanted a different experience for your children. 100%. Um, I resonate with what you just said so deeply um, because that was my innermost desire mm -hmm. was to have my own family and to stop the cycle of abuse, to stop the cycle of dysfunction and unhealthy behaviors mm -hmm. um, and really just uh, allow myself to experience like this beautiful, uh, you know, experience of raising children and family that mm -hmm. God intends for us all to have that experience. Yeah. Um, and it's so controversial to say that today, that family is, you know, a, a, a metric of success, right? Mm -hmm. You know, no, that success is, uh, you know, degrees and accolades and, mm -hmm. you know, awards. No, you know, we, we've been listening to society too long to tell us what success is. That's not success. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, sure, it's subjective, but that's not what's going to be inner success. That's not what's fulfilling. Um, and so it, when I peeled that, those things off, when I said, okay, what does this mean? This means I'm going to lose my chance of getting a Grammy. This means I'm going to lose my chance of, uh, writing for a, a film and scoring a film with a director. I like, or what I, I threw all that away because it was meaningless. And I know that because I have written for and 
worked alongside so many um, celebrities, particularly young Disney girls that I have seen their lives. They got everything. They got the awards. They got the, the Grammys. And they are the most broken, depressed, sad individuals I've ever met. And, and I couldn't help them. Um, and, you know, they're in these fancy rehabs. And um, I watched that and I said, I don't want that to be me. And, and I, I decided to take that different road, um, even though I didn't know what it would look like. And it was really scary because I didn't feel equipped. I didn't feel like a matriarch. Um, I, I felt very, uh, you know, unprepared and, and I, I didn't, ha I don't know anything. I mean, it's, I feel like it's easier for somebody who grew up with great parents, um, to, to parent, but I had nothing. I had literally all I knew was what not to do. Mm -hmm. So it was something I was just praying for, like, God, give me guidance, show me how to do this, because I had such an unbelief in myself uh, at the beginning of that parenting journey, and it was very difficult. Mm -hmm. And then Landon, um, just segueing into that particular um, backdrop, whenever you think about one of the biggest obstacles as a mom that you've uh, faced um, how have you actually overcome that, you know, as far as all of us moms go through all kinds of different things and we're raised in all kinds of different environments and we're always going to face different obstacles. But then we have a choice to overcome or just be stuck in a default position. And so what about right. you? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, what I, the biggest obstacle for me um, was in parenting was realizing that I first had to parent myself before I was going to be ready to parent this beautiful child. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to end up projecting onto her unresolved trauma that I was holding, um, outdated beliefs and, you know, harmful, unhealthy behaviors that I had inherited. Um, and, you know, some of what we do is so unconscious and we really have to, uh, you know, and reverse engineer it to figure out where did I have, where did this belief come from? Where did the idea I'm not enough come from? Did it come from God, church, my mom, my dad? Where did I first feel this, this feeling of not being worthy? So that's not, it's not an easy process. It, t it takes time. And, and, um, you know, it takes people to walk through it with you. Um, and, and so that was a period, uh, you know, if you go to a doctor, they just diagnose you as postpartum depression. But what it was is it was an awakening. It was a process of awakening. Mm -hmm. um, so you can pathologize it, but really it was a calling to go inward. You know, there's, there's that saying that depression is really deep rest. Your, 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 um, your soul is craving deep rest to go over and review trauma and past belief systems that are no longer serving you and that are holding you back and blocking you from achieving your greatness mm -hmm. um, and, and the, the wonderful path that God has paid for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had to, to go into that muck and it was really hard. Um, and I'm so fortunate to have an amazing husband that could kind of take over a little bit. Um, so in those moments where I was feeling weak or when I was crying or depressed or upset, you know, he was able to be with Scarlett and allow me that space and time to do the work that was needed so that I could be, um, the parent that I, that I am now. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, and there's, and I know what it's like to be a mom and the guilt, right. The guilt of like taking that time for yourself and go, Hey, I should be with my, with my daughter at the park right now, not reading a self-help book about deconstructing my belief systems. What am I doing? I should have done this before I had all the baby stuff ready. I should have done this before. But again, it's that it's that 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 
core thought there is, is why am I not worthy of working on myself so that I could be the best mom? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not perfect. And also that deconstructing that, that pursuit of perfection, right? Where, where that came from is if I was perfect and I could sing good enough and I could act good enough and did all the things good enough, maybe I would get mommy and daddy's love, right? That's where it comes from. And so once I was able to deconstruct all that and really find a way to love myself authentically and, and accept God's incredible unending love into my life, that's when I was able to heal. Um, and that healing is the place of empowerment. That is a woman is true empowerment. When you heal yourself with the help of your, your spiritual connection to God, that is, that's the feminist message of 2020. Heal yourself as a woman and you will find your power. Yeah, that's really excellent. And, you know, there's a Bible verse that says that he replenishes the sorrowful soul. And truly, you taking the time to allow yourself to process and realizing that God can handle it all and he's trustworthy and he is the one that can heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. And, and instead of just running from it and busying yourself, just to pause for a moment to invest in yourself so that, um, you know, you can also pass that on to your children and to other women like you, you, you're doing right here and men and women that it's, it's a good thing to invest in our, ourselves to allow God to heal us. And it's, it is, it just changes us. It frees us. We become completely different people. So I, I think it's awesome. It's an amazing thing that you did that. And I just, um, applaud you for that. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Well, that's really the toughest thing, isn't it? It is, it's, we would like to, we would like to face all the battles. And if you grow up rough, um, survival's about, um, keeping the dangers away and not open yourself up in any kind of way to love vulnerably because you get hurt. So when people break into your life, a spouse, your children, and they go past all those barriers, then it, and you actually are now for the first time able to open your soul to people that you're giving this very uh, shriveled, uh, <laughs> tender piece of you that you realize in life when you have to survive, you can't give that to anybody. And because all they do is stomp on it. And um, therefore, you know, like for me, I was really um, stunted in my emotional development to deal with my own issues. Because I just, you know, you put it aside and you press on. You put it aside, you press on. And you're never processing life. And that's the mm -hmm. thing when you walk with the Lord for a long time, that was the step for me. When I, I grew up, even though my life was rough and tumble, my mom has this amazing gift of full love and acceptance, no matter what. And I knew that my mom was always there. But for me, I still needed that, that uh father's love. And I didn't find that until I fell in love with Jesus. And I realized that I could cry out, Abba, father, he, he loves me unconditionally. And it, it transformed my life. And for the first time I, in, I just realized, well, there's a process. He, he knows who I am. Um, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. It's like, well, when I was a total mess, <laughs> he loved me. And so how much more as I'm in, uh, experiencing the process and even sharing with our children, because Tammy and I, we, ha we have a 30, uh, one-year-old son who's getting ready to thir turn 32 and a, and a daughter who's 29, we're still processing life with them. We're still processing. Uh, you think, well, uh, we have this demarcation point of 18. Something happens miraculously. No, it's, it's you're processing life and you have to keep growing with them. 
as adult kids and now we have uh, uh, grandchildren and uh, but the process continues on and one of the most freeing things to me is realizing that I'm either approaching God in a, a, an attempt to either earn and deserve his love or just to believe and receive his love. And those are paradoxically two different things. And as a human, you always fall down into the ditch of earning and deserving. I, I wasn't good enough this week. I was unkind. Or, I mean, you go through your list because you even know your own thoughts, even if they don't come out of your body, your own struggles internally. And, uh, but I just realized, hey, I can believe and receive all of God's goodness because of his promises. And I don't have to earn and deserve his favor any longer. And uh, the Christian life is, is not perfection. It's just a direction of life that I'm in this journey of processing to the very end until I go to heaven. And uh, so that's so vital in the parenting because you, unless you own that, you can't convey that to your children. Right. That's, that's so true. And it also, um, this idea that we're supposed to be perfect kind of sets us up um, in, a, in a child's eyes is, is ourselves trying to be the idol, the godly figure, instead of allowing God to be the godly, perfect figure. Yes. Um, and, and allowing ourselves to be vulnerable with our kids. And, and when we make mistakes, you know, saying, you know what? I lost my emotional control there. I was, I'm really feeling frustrated and tired. Mm-hmm. I think I need to, you know, take care of this. And I'm, I'm sorry I took that out on you. I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Allowing, you know, our children to see our humanity and our, and, you know, fallibility is so um, healthy because it allows them to know that it's okay to be imperfect and it's okay to rely on God mm-hmm. uh, for that, you know, um, qu- you know, that, that, that uh, idol, you know, yeah. he can be that idol for you. Yeah. Um, parents are going to let you down. We're not perfect. We never will be. And when you're a parent, you won't be either. And that is okay. That's not yeah. what this is about. Yeah. Um, and I think right. it's really important to uh, humble ourselves in that way to just go to them and actually acknowledge mm-hmm. when we fail. Because right. the more that we can acknowledge our failure, it actually helps them understand that failure isn't the end of all ends, that that is mm-hmm. just being a human. And we're, you know, we're going to walk and we're going to stumble, but we're going to get back up and we're going to forgive and we're going to embrace each other and we're going to love. And that is just the beauty of life. And I was just going to ask you, uh, what do you think is one of the silliest things you've ever been upset about uh, as far as being a mom um, that you faced? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, hopefully I'm not alone in this, but I've, I've definitely had some glitter and Play-Doh and stepping on Lego meltdowns um, <laughs> where just at, you're, you're at the end of the day and you're exhausted and you step on that Lego and, I mean, you know, guys, well, what is the deal here? Can we please clean up? You guys are being ungrateful. Look at all these toys. I didn't have these toys. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm an imperfect parent. This is this, these things happen. Um, but you know, I, I, hopefully they don't happen as often anymore. And, and when they do, uh, I recognize, you know, or my child will actually say, mom, I think you're tired or mom, you know, I think you're overreacting and I'll say, okay, I'm overreacting. You're right. But I'm just, you know, let's clean up the Legos. Okay. We can't have these Legos. Somebody's going to get hurt. Our blind dog is going to step on it and break her ankle. You know, so, um, our, our kids are able to kind of help me sometimes recognize and, and, you know, our kids are great mirrors. They mirror back to us, our own behavior. So if we don't like something we're seeing in our kid, 
chances are there's something going on within us that they're just mirroring back to us. Yeah. I think that's so awesome because it actually reveals the culture of your home that your, your children are able to, to be able to express, Hey mom, maybe you're tired. Maybe you need to eat a little something. And there's really showing a mutual respect one to another. And you're building this really amazing foundation of communication and listening, accepting, receiving. And I mean, that's just the beauty of family, right? And so I just think that's amazing that they're not, um, you know, running from you, but they're actually speaking and sharing. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. And I mean, that is just amazing that you do that. I think, I think some parents feel like they have to uh, be this model of perfection for their kids and when they mess up to gloss over it rather than just uh, to confess and to say you're sorry and to admit that. But what you realize in, in, in deep relationships or any relationships for that matter, but these deep ones have the opportunity to go into a different place and that is that vulnerability begets vulnerability. That if you stay hard and distant, the, you know, but if you open up a little, they open up a little. And it's, you know, this thing that goes deeper. And uh, I know throughout raising our kids, when I would blow it, I would just have to tell it, hey, I'm sorry. I just, I barked at you. It wasn't your fault. One, one day I got after my son. We were mowing the lawn together and he didn't, I was just grumpy. I woke up, I was just grumpy and short tempered and I barked at him. And like five minutes later, I'm thinking, what am I doing? And so I went over to him. He was probably 15. And I said, son, I'm sorry. I was just, I'm grumpy. I'm tired. And uh, just, just forget that. Uh, it's my fault. And he goes, he never even got up from, he was raking or something. He had his head down. He goes, no problem, dad. I knew you were in denial. You know, I just, <laughs> it was just this, the thing that he realized because that's the kind of interaction we could have, right. which made it, it, it's not this, you know, tensions build and then there's this huge blow up. But if it's just diffused in a daily, weekly way, you're taking care of, uh, it's like you're cleaning house, but relationally with each other uh, through, mm -hmm. through the week. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, that, that's awesome. I think, I think that's, you know, a, a great thing for parents and children to be able to have that, um, that openness in their home, you know, uh, communication and, and also just we're, we're modeling to them, right. Mm -hmm. How, how, it's okay to be. So if we're modeling to them that it's not okay to be imperfect, then we're setting them up to, to live like that and to raise their children like that. And, and it doesn't feel good. It's a lot of pressure. Um, and I don't think that's the way that we're intended to live. So mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful that, that you have that openness in your home as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just gonna, I know that it, we're just about at a time, but, um, even though as parents, we do our very best to, express and be an example that, you know, we don't have to be perfect. Um, mm -hmm. But there is something inside of us as humans that I almost sense that we come hardwired like that. And so I think that every single human being probably has to go on their journey, even if they're raised in a home that tries to express and show examples of that. There is something inside of us that we actually just you know, come hardwired like that. So we do have to overcome. And so I really appreciate that you are bringing that message and that you um, are a voice and a leader to that message because it is so freeing and it just validates the fact that we just will never be perfect. And you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Our audience, we're not perfect. And you know, the one thing that happens is when we all realize we're not perfect, we're all under construction 
What does it produce? Grace, 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 grace. Can we just extend grace to one another? Mm -hmm. And that is really what we need to be able to do is just extend that grace. And then that's when love flows. That's when openness flows. That's when God can get in there and bring more healing and just the more, more of his beauty and more of his love really to not only relationships, but, um, to this world, to this nation, to countries. And that's really Mm -hmm. the message. I feel like you're really trying to convey is that is, that's the key there. And that happened. If you can kind of wrap it up for us, Landon, um, we wanted to go on this family journey, talking about the pressure of the industry for you to end that. Uh, how many years ago was that, Landon? I know it was three children ago, but yeah. how many years ago was it? It was about 11 and a half years ago. Yeah. And so you have the joy of a mother's heart, 11 years with these children. And uh, I just, I mean, it's a very obvious answer, but if you would maybe speak to it and then develop it. Aren't you so glad the decision you made? You had tremendous pressure and you were on the threshold of, you were experiencing success, but a whole new level of success from the industry's perspective was in front of you. Would you choose a different choice today? You know, having been through that darkness and seeing, seeing, having those experiences makes me appreciate every single day you know, waking up next to my husband who loves me unconditionally and is such an incredible leader in our family um, and is my rock and has taught me so much and inspires me to be uh, strong and grow. And then looking at my beautiful, healthy, kind-hearted children, sometimes I have moments where I weep with joy because I know that, that other side of it. I know what, where I could have been. And I imagine this this if I had an avatar of myself, had I followed that other direction, I I imagine a sad, depressed version of myself on the brink of suicide in some, um, you know, rehab, fancy rehab, wondering why I I hadn't said, you know, yes to that man who looked me in the eye, who wanted to have a family with me. I, I, I imagine that that other version of myself having an abortion or just doing whatever it took to prioritize my career and my accolades and getting that Grammy. And I know that none of it would have been worth it when I look at my children. And, and I, I weep with joy all the time, just looking at, at, at them and marveling at them and knowing what a blessing they are. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I speak to um, as I try to, to help empower women without this modern feminist message um, and some people identify as feminine, feminist. So I try to use their language to say what real feminine feminism is, mm-hmm. is self-empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, and in recognizing your own ability um, within, not this external validation that you have to prove yourself somehow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, this message of if you don't, you know, have a family or if you husband or, or children of being oppressive or non-fulfilling is such a lie. And I wish sometimes I could scream it out on the rooftops. And, and I've spoken to so many women in their, their late 40s, and they're just now trying to have a family and they can't. 
and and they 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 regret some of those decisions they made because they thought that the, that degree or that master's or whatever the, the corporate job would make make them fulfilled. And I'm not saying every woman has to be a mother to be fulfilled or get married to a man or any any of that. But let's not lie to women and tell them that somehow that being a wife or a, a, a mother or being present mother. In, in your child's life is somehow disempowering because mm-hmm. it's the most empowered I've ever felt in my entire life and, and so blessed. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are g- going to be those people that do pursue their, their career and all of those things, but mm-hmm. not to, you do not have to castigate or demean or diminish the value right. uh, of uh, someone that wants to be a wife and wants to be a mom. And right. when they state such things in our culture, it's, it's almost scoffed out like, like you, you're some kind of archaic dinosaur, but, uh, but the, but where there's fulfillment, I mean, uh, that's really the, I don't care what your course in life, show me the fruit. You made these Absolutely. decisions, show, you showed, you made these decisions, show me the result, and then we'll talk about the results. Absolutely. And if I can just add with, you know, um, women, I mean, you, there's a message that you can't do it all. We, we saw these, you know, women get up on, on the Oscar stages and say, I wouldn't be here without choosing abortion. Really? Yeah. You know, I, I believe in women and yeah. we can do it all. We can do whatever you know, we want to do. You can have family and have your career. It might be not at the same exact moment, but women, you can do whatever you want. You can have your family. You can have a healthy, beautiful, thriving marriage and have a career and chase your other aspirational um, things. So this, this message of you have to choose to kill your child or not, or you have to choose to not get married and not start a family, or you're going to somehow lose your job, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that message is, is just so archaic and, and patently false. So yes. I just want to speak life and encourage those women to know they can do it all and they will mm-hmm. find a way. Mm-hmm. Well, I think your message is so filled with hope because there's somebody going to tune into this and they're where you were 11 years ago. And uh, to know that there's more than one option for you that especially in God's grace, he can help you balance those things. And there's seasons for things. You can pursue this in this season and you can pursue this in this season. And, and, and life, I mean, now it, it's a long life. I mean, you have lots of life in front of you. And uh, so y- you don't have to have it all this week. It, it can, right. it can unfold as time goes. So thank you so much, Landon. Uh, such you. a joy. Uh, we love your heart. We love what, uh, uh, your family, what you and Robbie are doing. And we just want to, uh, uh pray for you as we, uh, in this session, just for the influence you guys have with, uh, grow up and all the different things you're doing. And we want to talk to you again. So uh, let's wrap it up. Let's pray. And then Tammy's going to read a blessing for those viewers who are tuning in. Love to. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Landon's life and her three beautiful children and her husband, Robbie. Thank you for them being salt and light. Thank you for them being a voice for um, human beings in such a a, uh, very well-rounded, huge way in our culture. And so we just ask for your best. We pray that you'd open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing they can't even contain it, that your spirit would refresh them with your love, your joy, and your peace. And we pray that your hand would be upon their lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you so much, Landon. Lord bless you. Thank you so much, Landon. Um, thank you, Tammy. Yeah, thank you, Rick. Yeah, thank you. Uh, number 62426. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Signing out for Fireside Chat, my lovely bride, Tammy, and uh, myself. Look forward to seeing you again. God bless. That was a fun date. Bye.